0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Welcome to a new quick hitter from the PURU's podcast. Our guest this week is Ethan Skolnick from Five Reason Sports and the Five on the Floor podcast. We go in-depth with the Miami Heat, who are
0: one win away from the NBA Finals. This is Pat Riley's dream get guys in a situation where they can't do anything but play basketball for two months, <laughs> right? Can't do anything. Turn them over. It's Jimmy Butler's dream too. It's all he wants to do. It's all Tyler Hero wants to do. And this is why I picked them, you know, to go to the Eastern conference finals. Once they got in the bubble, I didn't think they'd win. I thought they'd lose to Boston and the ECF. I changed my pick as I saw the way they played against Milwaukee, but prior to the playoffs, because I just thought it's a perfect environment. For this group they like each other jimmy's best friend in the team is Dragic. like they could spend all day together every day it's just Dr- <laughs> Dragic and jimmy dragage and jimmy told their families not to come when they were supposed really? to come i mean that's a pat riley team like he doesn't want you know keep the families away <laughs> it's just basketball and uh I, I that's why that's what's made them incredibly dangerous so, Ethan, you talk about the culture, you talk about the roster
1: construction, you started to allude to some of the things that you're seeing Hero do on the floor. It's one thing to build the team. It's one thing for it to look right on paper, feel right. What's been the key turning point with actual execution, getting into this groove? What, what, what do you think it was? And the second part of that is, how much of that did you see pre-shutdown and how much of that was just built
0: upon the return? Well, no, I, I think they were trending the wrong way before the shutdown. Um, the last two, three weeks before the shutdown, you know, they'd made the trade and Iguodala was a little out of shape, which was natural, not out of shape, because he doesn't get out of shape, but out of basketball shape. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, right. Jay, fit, Jay fit better from the very beginning, but they were a little out of sorts. Myers Leonard, who'd been a big part of their starting lineup, got hurt. Hero was hurt. We found out later he actually had COVID. At the time, that wasn't really publicized. Oh, wow. uh, he had it early. And so there were, um, you know, there were issues there uh, with their chemistry. And you know, the last game before the shutdown, they blew a 28-point lead to Charlotte at home. I mean, they, were not, they played really well early the season. But again, that's why. I, but going into the bubble, I felt the reset for them was going to help them as much as any team. And I actually called that the reset was going to hurt Milwaukee more than any other team because milwaukee had great momentum right but they also had a lot of vets who i thought were going to take some time to kind of get back into shape um and and i just i didn't i felt like they lost that momentum going into the bubble whereas i thought the heat would gain some um but you ask about execution i mean the stuff just look at duncan robinson okay and i know he's not had a a big playoffs okay but the gravity that he creates right as a three-point shooter and what Eric has done with him and the way that they execute the dribble handoffs. This is, in my view, the best coach team that the Miami Heat have ever had. Uh, it's the best Eric Spolsher coaching job, and it's better than any Pat Riley coaching job in Miami. If you watch the way that he's brought the most out of every individual player and then understood when to go to somebody else, like, the, I mean, again, Kendrick Nunn was second in rookie of the year voting yeah. as an undrafted player who yeah. he, and wait, who? Well, two things. First, they yeah. threw him in the starting lineup from game one. It's one of the reasons Dion wanted out. Okay. They threw him in the starting lineup from game one and trusted him there, and then had to trust in other players to decide when it hasn't gone well for Kendrick in the bubble, he's not going to play at all um, and still have him buy in. He's gotten the most out of it. I, I, he's maximized every player on the roster. And a lot of it is by forcing them to do things you wouldn't think they would do, like BJ mentioned bam out of bio where you're running your offense through your five. (laughs) Okay. Um, And not just in the half court, but literally he's bringing up the ball half the time. Okay. Um, You know, obviously he's switching and defending one through five, but also all the dribble handoff stuff with Duncan, where now, you know, they basically gave Duncan, you know, tape of Ray Allen to to watch. Okay. And so they're running a lot of the same stuff they ran for Ray and for Wayne Ellington with Duncan, but they've taken it to another level because Duncan's taller um, he's created a little bit of a, a, you know, he's created a game off of his gravity now where he's become a better passer. Um, they were the number one offense in the NBA this year when Duncan Robinson was on the floor, they were 15th when he wasn't. So people want to know why he's still playing, even though he's not there. The teams are keying on him. That's why. But I mean, and then again, to me, the best example, and the other thing Eric noticed and picked up on that no other coach of Jimmy Butler's has picked up on is that Jimmy's best asset offensively is his unselfishness in his playmaking and i remember uh eric sat down with us at media day which believe it or not heat media day was literally 362 days ago it's going to be a full year i mean this is how long the season has gone eric sat uh, down with us a year ago and he looked he looked so excited it was like the weight of Whiteside had been lifted off of him because he could not coach him another minute and and he basically he sat down with us and he essentially said to us um you know, nobody's talking about Jimmy Butler as a playmaker. And it was just clear. He had already decided how he was going to use him. And to play off of Jimmy's inherent unselfishness instead of the, the mythology of his selfishness, uh, I think was the key thing that set the tone. And then telling Goran Dragic, who was an all-star two years ago, who still in some ways is their best offensive player, and telling Goran Dragic, we need you off the bench, you're going to replace Dwayne as our sixth man. We need you off the bench, and getting Goron to buy into that is another of. And then making the decision in the postseason: okay, we saw EuroBasket Goron in this kind of situation. I want you on the floor for 35 minutes. You're going to start. How many decisions has he had to make to get them to this stage? You know, they don't have a guy on their team who was drafted above ninth overall, and that's their 36-year-old Andre Iguodala. Um, the whole rest mm-hmm. of the team—they're undrafted free agents. Jimmy was drafted thirtieth. Yep. <laughs> you know, Hero and Bam were middle of the first round. Um, like I said, Duncan's undrafted, Kendrick Nunn's undrafted, DJJ was undrafted. Um, Myers Leonard was drafted middle first round, but they don't have high picks. He's just maximized everybody. So I said it's the best—it's the best uh, head coaching job that I've seen in Miami. And Pat's had some good ones, obviously. Yeah, you, you talk about Coach Po,
2: and every now and then you'll see these coaches take steps coach spo is without question in my opinion he's moved into that elite category just on what he is doing this year i mean this is an exceptional job he's doing but the one thing i don't think he gets enough credit on and i want to hear your hear your um your comments about is we always talk about the team taking on the character of its coach jimmy gets a lot of credit for his toughness talk about coach Riley and his personality but coach Spo coaches with a certain level of intensity and calmness and collectiveness that he brings to the court and you really see it with this group and yeah coaches make decisions like bring in Dragic. and I remember when Steve Kirsch tells the story when he took Andre Iguodala out of the starting lineup that's a hard conversation to have with a veteran But clearly this team is bought in because there is a trust factor here. But talk about his basketball integrity and how he's connected with this group, because clearly he's in charge now. He's coaching with a certain level of confidence. Just for instance, him going this random zone thing that he's doing now against Eric's Celtics seems to seems to have caused a lot of confusion
1: and they never play zone. uh, let, let me, let me, let, let me, let me, let me, say one thing. We'd be <laughs> minute, running different. We'd be running, we'd be running different offense. If it was Eric Celtics <laughs> against this zone,
0: back to you. I mean, this is, I mean, talk about coach out I mean, he's, he's really putting his imprint on this group. Yeah, no, this is more his group than any other. Um, But I think that he is a product of the experiences he's had in Miami. And I think a lot of it does start with when you have stability in an organization and trust there, that a lot of things follow from that. And you know, look, uh, if you go back to when Eric took over in 2008, you know he had two, I, I in some ways incredible seasons because he had really one player. I mean, Dwayne was at the peak of his powers at that point and should have been the MVP in 08, nine That's the one I know. LeBron, I, I know, and I know LeBron well as Eric knows. Uh, but I know that there's some that, you know, LeBron feels he should have had, well, that one, he shouldn't have had, that should have been Dwayne's in, in 08, 09. Um, but you know, he got those two teams to the playoffs. And then of course, Dwayne said, I need help because they had been holding back on getting him help because they were all targeting the summer of 2010 and then they got him the best help you could possibly get him right in 2010. And I remember having a conversation and, and Eric has told me many times that there are three times he thought he would be fired. Uh, the first time, was when they were going to recruit LeBron because why would LeBron want to play for Eric Spolstra who'd played for two years and came out of the video room. So that was the first time. The second time was when they started nine and eight and they were screaming at each other in Dallas and LeBron was pretending not to bump Eric when he bumped Eric. And then they came out of that locker room, out of that players only meeting where we waited for them for 35 minutes. And Dwayne Wade said, we got to get our bleep together. Um, and then the next day, LeBron's people linked, leaked to ESPN, all the stuff that had been going on between LeBron and Spolstra, and that LeBron wanted a different coach. And so that was the second time. And then the third time was when LeBron went catatonic in the 2011 finals and they, they obviously, and they lost to Dallas cause he couldn't post up JJ Bure all of a sudden. And then Eric thought he was going to get fired there. So three times that Eric thought he was going to get fired, that if he was coaching in another organization, he probably would have been fired. Well, once you're not fired there and you win two championships. And I remember Eric telling me during the middle of that first year with the big three saying, look, I'm going to be relaxed here because in 25 years I can say I coached these guys. That was his attitude. It wasn't like an immense pressure. It was like, I'm coaching these guys like LeBron James, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne (laughs) Wade. And so once you win those titles, there's a certain confidence. And then once you come out of it, and the organization loses LeBron, but you still stick with the head coach, there's more confidence that comes out of it. And I do think that over time, look, they've had some battles behind the scenes that haven't been talked about. But like over time, I think Riley has just trusted him more and more and more to put on his imprint. A Pat Riley team would not have done pace and space. Would not have done positionless. Would not have done. <laughs> Pat Riley teams, as you know, BJ, they wanted to play through the five. Okay, uh, I played against I, some I, of those teams. They, I don't think they, they, pace and space uh, was, no, was part no, of the uh, <laughs> part of part of no, the chemistry. <laughs> not pace and space. No, Timmy and Zo, right? You know, PJ Brown. PJ Brown. Right. DJ Brown at your four, right? I mean, Anthony Mason at the three. At the
1: three, okay? That's, okay? Uh,
0: I mean, Anthony Mason these days would be a
1: five. We hope you listen to the full conversation with Ethan Skolnick. You can also check out the video versions of our quick hitters on our YouTube channel. Check out the Pure Hoops podcast every Friday from Pure Hoops Media. Stay pure.